Apostle, uh, the coolest there has ever been, Apostle Brian Tamaki. Come on, church, make some noise! I agree with that. <laughs> what did you say? I couldn't hear the noise. The coolest there no, has it's ever all right. been. Okay, I know. It's a, I'm joking. But anyway, let's put our hands together. Amen. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all your people. Yes, sir. Father, we thank you, Lord. We're in the house of the Lord today. We're meeting because we want to be here. This is a place where everything happens, where you do business, we do business with you. We find out, Father, the next step, the next way, the next place. Lord, we thank you that we are an invasion force into the earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's nothing on this earth that uh, is not yet to be completed until we bring kingdom into every part of society. And I want to be able to be valid for that, Lord. And to be valid for that, you have to be useful, usable, and you have to know. Well, I believe after conference, many of us have moved. We've moved. Even if we haven't understood a lot, it will come by faith. By faith, I believe. Say, I believe. I believe God. Say, I believe God. I believe His Word. Today, I will have faith to believe. Well, I want to welcome you all to here, this place where we've been meeting. Wherever we meet, it's a sanctified, it's a, it's a great congregational meet. God is in the midst of us, through us, and um, we have great worship and praise, and music team. It's still great. Conference is great. This, this is great today. I love I love what we've been in and what we're doing. But today I've got something very, very special. And that's why I want to welcome all of the churches that have, because it's the end of the month. And I mean, pastors would have been busting and brimming to get back. They're such good couples to get back and to talk and to preach. But it was the end of the, the week, I would have gladly said, no, you all just lock in, plug in locally. But I hadn't finished. I'd only just cracked open and the force of that spirit in my belly was telling me, you have to take this to a point where it's not a revelation just for us. It's a revelation for the body of Christ globally. Right? Now, I, I say that confidently, not arrogantly, um, but I must share it. So today you've got to allow me to talk um, well above probably your your punching status, and I'm, I'm not being rude to you. Um, if I'm grasping, I'm trying to wrestle with this thing for days and still trying to get it all and to piece it together because I have to get the download. And if it's revelation, then I have to um, translate it into understandable knowledge for the 12 year old and the 70 year old and everybody in between. It's no good having lofty revelation if you can't get it. So we've got people who have just walked in and are bored already uh, somewhere. You know, I'm, just be, I'm not being, I'm just saying that you can't probably take anything more. You want to go and play games on videos or hear some music 
or ram raid. But if you discipline yourself to take something, this, all that you want is in this. What I'm about to speak to you has already been opened, but it's nowhere near got in. It hasn't got in. And um, I'm going to do that today. All right? So I will speak above, but I'll come down and where we can understand, where we can connect. Okay, you, you, you're right for me to do that? Okay, just give me a little bit of time. It's only a, a little part of your week, but it's the most important part of your week. I love you so much because you give this, you make this happen. You draw it from heaven through me because you loyally connect to a preacher. It makes a difference. It was hard for Jesus to go to his own hometown because they all didn't believe him. So the Bible said he couldn't do very many works of miracles or, or greatness because their unbelief actually had a, or determined the level of whatever came out of him. So your belief, this simple belief, has got a lot out of heaven through me. So just give yourself a hand. You're a special group of people. Um, right, thank you, team. You, get, still, you look nice. Let's <laughs> let you go. All right? So let's get going, shall we? Let's get started. All right, sit down, tell your neighbor, don't annoy me for about 30 minutes or 40. No texting, no ruffling, no snoring, no talking, okay? <laughs> oh, man. All right. So this is the extension of the conference. And that's why I'm, I'm doing this today. That song, Higher, that was, that's what I'm doing today. This is going higher. And that song is perfect. It's, that's why it's, been, it's the latest. So we sing it because of what we're doing. So what I want to do is um, I'm going to um, talk about what this means to us and means to God. Um, you know how you have watershed moments in life? Your watershed moments in life are big, uh, like being born. That's a pretty big moment. Yes. Talk to me. Yes. Uh, me, you being born was fantastic. You could have not been born. You could have been one of the 499 million that missed the mark and you were put down the toilet to be abrupt, sorry. You know, that's at the conception. So you won a big race, come on. I hit the, I hit the egg first. I'm starting already, I'm preaching, but it's, it's Brian starting and the apostle speaks, right? So I broke through and I made it. That's what you call predestination. Remember these words. So the poor 499 million potential sperms with all your potential brothers and sisters who missed out, that's a lot. 499 million. That's a lot. Your mind's a race from there to the egg. Only one sperm can fertilize the egg which creates or brings you 
as a, as a being into the material word, world. Don't forget, you were already in existence. You being born was just getting you into this world from the spirit world. Oh, oh come on. Yeah, yeah. Ephesians says, before the foundations of the world, he knew you. So God knowing you before you were born means that you're in existence, really, because God knew you and knew all about you. So he felt, okay, he predestined means that you're going to win the race even though you didn't know you're going to win the race because you could have lost with the 499 million being flushed away. You could have been aborted. I could have been aborted. Look at this. What a loss to the world. Now get off, haters. Don't say nothing. What a loss to the world I would have been and you would have been. Okay? You've got to just take time to think and let that sink. Let it sink. Think and let it sink. If you're here, God valued you so much. He got you out of the spirit world, not just staying there in, in his great mind or thought, but he got you to be born in the physical world for a purpose. Man, that's something. That's why I gotta feel cool every day. That's why you should never allow yourself to even get near depression. If you do, snap out of it. You're the one he's got here. You're here to stop others and help others from being depressed. I'm here to help those who are unhappy. I'm here because I am their happiness. I am their life. I am their way, their truth. You're not supposed to join that. You're supposed to be above that. Oh, but no buts. Otherwise, we'll put you back in through the here, back into the old tag and put another race thing of number one over another spoon. Put number four on your back instead of number one. You're not living like number one. Live like number one. That's a good word. Live, here's a tweet. Live like your number one. You won the race of your life before you even started life. Don't you let everybody steal your position or your standing. Man, I got so much, I better get away from that small stuff. All right, so here's the watershed moment. You're born, you're married. Those are supposed to be watershed moments. <laughs> all the married one, all the pens if you didn't go the distance, that's not a watershed moment. But, you know, family, having your first child. Um, watershed moments that you might have, it might be different to what I'm saying, but receiving Jesus Christ must have been one. So being born is big, getting married is really big, having your first baby is big, receiving Jesus is big. There's, other, there's another watershed moment that fits into this category of great watershed moments that nobody's told you about, taught you about, and you've understood about. And that's the firstborns. Now a lot of people, you do, you sit there and oh, I heard that, I heard you at conference. There's a lot of Christians that don't even know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of pastors and reverends and bishops and priests right now that don't know what I'm talking about. There are Christians that have been around for 80 years and still don't know what I mean. Firstborns. How important is that one word? Firstborns. Paul says something very interesting, the apostle. He gets to the Corinthian church 
in chapter 3, I think it is, in verse 1, he straight away says to them, look, I've, I've, I've got to always talk elementary Christianity to you. He calls it uh, milk, and is the comparison with milk and then with superfood, meat. But he finds himself talking to Christians, as he calls them, um, mostly feeding them milk, whereby they should be now transitioning to a higher level of superfood, revelatory superfood. But the thing is, they are not in the place to receive that because they've made the grade of being Christians, right? I'm not talking about Christians today. Firstborns are Christians, but very few Christians are firstborns. So I'll, t- I'll give you the explanation of the revelation, of the exaltation, for the glorification. You missed that. Someone's going to get that wrong, so don't you dare put it up and put my name on it when you've got the wrong order. All right, so that means this is that. This is what we're talking about. Now, he says what we're talking about here, the superfood is made for firstborns only. When he's talking about spiritual milk and you're on milkshakes, he wants to move you to mince pies and, you know, roast, beet. He wants to put you into more substantial. That's why Christian, the demise of Christianity globally is because there's no firstborns. You're just all Christians. And Paul gives a list. You argue amongst yourselves. You're up and down. And I'm thinking, oh, straight away, he's right, you know. Um, you get involved in stupid little things and, and, um, he, and you, you are sort of not really maturing into a place where that stuff is no longer a part of your life. You can see why the church has struggled. And yet this revelation has been clear to me. So I can't do it all. I've got Monday, I see. I'm put back on the treadmill of meetings. I was out here. I was listening. I'm on Monday, okay, after that conference. But I got it. You, you give me as much time as you like, I can preach till I die. And still, you know, that's, that's what it is. Now, so what I want to do here is talk about Haggai 2.6. I'll give you a little intro and then I'm going to do some things with you. Haggai 2.6. Haggai is a prophet, small one there, in the book of the Old Testament. He talks about the shaking of nations. He will shake the nations. God is at a point of time as he shakes the nations, which is an indication that he's doing something in those nations. So he shakes the nations of the world and he shakes what's in them. That's exactly what we've been through. Okay? That shaking. Now that shaking, look, he goes on to say it's an indication of what God wants to birth. Haggai 2.9 says it's all about glory. That's what it's about. That's way back. And that starts way back in the garden with Adam as being the glorious first son who had dominion and he had rulership over the earth. So God didn't rule the creation. A certain species of being in his likeness did. You know where I'm going. Come on now. The creature it's called, or creation, which I'll go to Romans 8 in a minute because that's what I'm talking to. All these link up. So I'll be probably jumping and talking. But I've taught you previously, but now I'm going to try and sink it into you so we can get some firstborns. Even I'll leave just a couple of you, if I can get those two, the rest of you, just keep battling away till you find it. Okay, so he was given dominion. 
He had dominion and rulership over creation. So when creation was first made, the creature, it's called in Romans 8, that means every living creature and every innate thing like trees and grass and water and uh, all that sort of stuff, the gases and everything else around the earth is not in God's control. It was given to a certain um, super being called Adam, who you must remember was created perfect in the image and likeness of God. God's first foray into trying to get himself many of him. Unfortunately, it failed. Typical of us. Just couldn't keep our minds and our focus on the thing and just do what God said. Oh no, you had to be sitting there thinking something else, talking to yourself and saying, well, I don't need you, God. I'll just go and do my own thing. The world's curse itself. I'll just do what I got to do. I'll just do me, thank you, in the wrong, the wrong shape or form, that expression. And that got us all into trouble and it fell away. Remember this, that creation was given to that superhuman, right, who was the expression of God. So everything in innate creation will only respond to that type of being. So you're talking about weather, you're talking about the environment, you're talking about the water, you're talking about the creatures and every living thing. Everything out there in creation should actually know you, but it doesn't. Because you're not in the place of the second Adam or the last Adam in 1 Corinthians 15, 45 and 49 says there was a last Adam to clean this up, this mess. But I want to give you a proper explanation. That's why I'm talking through to you so you understand. So creation and everything in an environment are only respond to a certain human. And it's not Christians. Neither is it to climate changes. Neither is it to the globalist. It is to firstborns. So when firstborns start walking the earth, that's when you'll see change globally. All right, really? So it's about the glory. I must tell you this because what is God's goal? Ultimately, God's goal and purpose for you is glory. Now, I, you hear that and you say, oh, wow. There's so many meanings for glory. It's like some words just have one meaning and you got it. But you say glory and I'm not sure that the church knows what that means because God's ultimate purpose is for you to have glory. But it comes down to this, and these scriptures puts it together for me. And I gave you an expression over the conference. It's not a saying, it's a truth. God invisible is God. God, sorry, yeah, God visible is glory, right? So if God remains invisible, he's, he's God. That's what you know. But the moment God is made visible, that's glory. So really in essence to try and humanly get a definition, that's what we all want, but it's still difficult. Glory is basically the brightness, the very brightness of God's person and presence. So if you get that, it's the, it's the actual, because Moses said, show me you, your glory, you know, that's what you know, because God whispered to him, ultimately I want you to have glory. He says, show me, give it to me. And he couldn't even see it head on. It would burn him and it would literally take him out. He could only see the back parts of a fading glory because it was saved 
for the day when you and I would have the privilege to be the other side of the resurrection of the second or the last Adam who got it all back. Now you're just going to be, just follow me and I'll try and give you understanding along with the revelation, okay? So it's glory. In the end of the day, that glory is the brightness of God's own person and presence. It is Him. So I'm not going to get tangled up in what that, how that happens. It's just when I got it, it's a, it's a hidden splendor within. It's a beauty. It's a beautiful thing. It's, a, it's magnificent. Glory is really what you should be seeking, okay? It, it, here's you and your, you know, your best day. You still look like sin, right? Me too. But as I, I, I'm conscious more of this, you start to look different even. Because that glory has the ability, and so it does. I mean, we talk about the, um, the whole process of um, metamorphosis. And that's in Romans 8.29. So you have to just stay with me and write scriptures and notes as good as you can. But Romans 8.29 talks about metamorphosis, the word conformed. That you might be, you might be conformed to the image. Oh, Conformed is the word meta. Amorphosis is the, is the basic meaning. And it has a metabolic. Metabolic means the actual structures of, your, of the human body with its cells, like your internal organs, liver, and your skin, and your blood, and everything. So that's the metabolic process and the, the whole uh, metaphysics. So. When you understand firstborn revelation, it actually affects your body. Christians have been denied this because we wait to go to heaven. We lose the old sin body. We just we trudge through life with our Christian faith, barely hanging on a mini backslide and hoping to make heaven. And even then, they don't even believe it after a while. You know what I mean? That is a defeated, traditionalist, false view of you. Don't you ever have that? No, no, no. You should be getting to a point when you've walked in faith after some time that you're beginning to get the revelation that Paul, he strikes in Romans 8 and Hebrews 12, 22 and 23, uh, they are both linked by the same author or the same apostle of, of high third heaven paradise revelation. So he visited the third heavens, Paul said. I made it to paradise. Paradise is the place of God. That's where you go when you leave finally your physical body at death, straight through the heavens. The blood's made it open for you. It already knows you, I think. Okay. I know it knows me. You've got to know it knows you. So my arrival will be expected. Right. You shouldn't be thinking about what I make it. <laughs> After all this time, something's wrong. Okay. Now, Okay, so you understand that it's made available. So he goes there and he says of things that were almost unspeakable to human ears. He's not saying to, to the ones that should hear it. He's saying to ordinary, unbelieving, sinful humans cannot receive the conversations he heard in third paradise, 2 Corinthians this is, third paradise, and that he heard things that were unspeakable. He didn't know if he was in the body or out of the body but he had transportation while he was yet on earth. There's so much you're missing in the spirit world. You're so uh, downgrading of you being spiritual. You're, you need to be earthly good. I am, but I 
seek to be very spiritual and deep, to be walking to the point of what the word says about me. If there's more to heaven, God, I want it. If there's, much, if there's a much higher place for me, I want to go there. I'm not happy where I am, in a sense I'm happy, because I'm in a happy place, but if I can be happier, if I can be greater than great, if I can be better than good, if I can go further, if I can do more, if I can help people and bless my blessing, me being blessed and being higher and being greater means I'm gonna be able to do more on the earth. I expect miracles to follow me. I expect signs and wonders to follow me. I expect to change things on this place, this place that's perishing. I wanna bring heaven to earth. I wanna bring happiness to unhappiness. I wanna bring life to death. I wanna bring the joy of the Lord to people who are stuck in life, who are bored in life. I wanna take suicide out and bring the saints in with good news. I wanna deal with the dope and all the smoke and give hope. You know what I'm saying? I wanna be able to bring people to their inheritance and their true legacy. But you can't do that if you don't have it. You can't expect God to come back time and time again and touch my sister, touch my family, Lord, touch my neighbor. No, he says, I've done all the touching I need to do. Now I'm telling you, you're supposed to be doing all that you're telling me to do for you because you're a couch Christian. <laughs> we're, we're in the stands as spectators and poor God's got to work on the ground as we watch him work his heart out all the time and he's saying, no, hold on a moment, you need to get involved in the game. And part of me dying and going away is to get you into action. If I stayed, you'd do nothing. So I had to get out of the way and I gave the Holy Ghost for you, I jumped in you, now you just be me. That's good preaching, let's clap. <clears throat> okay, you got that. Rightio. Now, he's talking about this, this whole thing in Haggai, the, the, the glory of the, of the new destiny church is gonna be greater than the old destiny church. The glory of the new destiny church. This is new revelation. So the old destiny church has gone. That Haggai scripture has come to pass over the weekend. Last weekend it came to pass, we slipped, you might not have noticed it, you slipped out of an old era and we're in a new era. This one has greater glory with it than the other one. The other one was great, but this is now upsized, it's upgraded itself, it is far stronger, it is more powerful and it is more helpful and it has an extent, it has, oh God, I can't get it out of me, you know. So, so you know what I'm saying? Now, when it talks about this, there were two sons. When Jesus, when you knew about Jesus, there was two sons. When he came, he's, it's the same son, but there were two sons. <laughs> Look, I like this. I'm getting, I'm getting smart for religious people and preachers are gonna say, there it is, he's heard. Well, I'm gonna, if you listen long enough, I'll teach you something, right? It's in the word. Now, 1 John 14, John chapter, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14 says he, that Jesus came. He is the only begotten Son before He came. He's called the only begotten, only, say only, only begotten Son. That was about to change when He now became a, the God who became one of His creations. He entered the human race. 
So God is spirit only. I know you know this, John 4, 23, 24. God is spirit. He's spirit, so he had nothing to do with what he created because he's separate from his creation. He does, he's in creation, but he's not stuck in it. He's not bound with it. He's over and beyond it so it can run itself. And he gives guardian or stewards like us to run some of the things that he's created. But God decided to take the most um, amazing step and all that he was is a God beyond the universe, the, the most magnificent, the almighty one, would condense himself to hop into a human baby. That blows my mind. But he, he knew to get from one only begotten son, and this was God's plan, he wanted many sons. But he didn't want sons that were less than. Because you're not my son unless you're born from me, really. I can adopt you, that's great. You can be my son, or I could take you in. But you know how you raise families? It's, it's a natural thing, giving illustration to a higher principle. You married a wife or a husband, you have children. You have a special, a special relationship to your blood children. You'll protect them even beyond yourself. There you go. You hear me now? So God doesn't want anything less than that feeling. So the only way he can get sons was to actually go and be them and turn them into him. I'm trying to, I'm trying to give you, the scripture's there, but I'm giving you understanding of the revelation. So, okay, so you, you're with me now? So the only begotten had to become the firstborn of many. That's the scriptures. So that's the two sons, but that's the one son. He changed the composition of themselves. So God is only spirit, but now he's incorporating a human into his God nature. So now he's gonna mix what he made as the human that's supposed to be the son of God like Adam and Adam failed. So to prevent failure again, he has to do it himself. And he comes in, and so now you see the only begotten 1 John 4, and now you see in Romans 2, 9, and many other places, and the, the apostle gets the revelation. Hold on a moment. That's, that only begotten son now comes to a higher order or level of the firstborn uh, son, of a, of a new kind of species of humans. Now you're getting with me. Okay, so you've got to understand that. So now God incorporates the human into him. He's born as a baby, so he's puts aside some of his powerful um, characteristics of omnipresence, being everywhere. He limits himself to a body of a human. That must be feeling kind of uncomfortable for God. Oh, wow, I can't be everywhere at once. So while he's by the lake there talking to 12 apostles, he couldn't be over in, in um, Jericho with the others, whereas before his spirit, he was everywhere. You could hear every conversation. He was ahead of your own thoughts of a billion people or so at that time. Even now, as God and the Spirit, he still has that. But Jesus was limited. He would now taste how we felt. He had the feelings of and emotions that he made in humans. He found that rather kind of interesting to God because God never has a down day. In the Spirit, he's never been wrong. He could be everywhere. He gets everything done. He's perfect. He's powerful. He knows everything. He's, every, he's just all powerful. He's an eternal being. And now suddenly he feels hungry. 
He feels for another human that's not doing well and he cries and weeps for a friend. He has friends. God, I don't think, has ever cried before that. I don't think God has tears. God only knows that he's everything and he's all in all, but he made you. And now to get us back so he could have those many sons, the only way to do it was for him to be us. So he feels every temptation. He feels every part of a human that you and I walk through. That's amazing. God wants to feel what we feel. He wants to know how we think. He's up, he gets sleepy, he, he walks and he gets tired. He's upset, he gets angry when they started ill-treating the house of God. His humanness and his deity are trying to come together and the Bible says very clearly he had to grow before God and man with wisdom and stature and he, so he had to actually grow his God nature with his human nature. While everything's tempting him, while people are outing him, rejecting him, coming down on him, and he's the creator of all the earth, I think me and you would have said, okay, blow you lot. Burn you all like that with fire coming out of his fingers. Easy done. Well, it happened in Moses' day. They both had an argument before God was human. Moses said, these are your people and they're terrible. And God said, no, they're yours. I gave them for you to lead. Moses said, they're yours. You take care of God says, they're yours. <laughs> so, you can see the frustration of the human, but now God's feeling it through Jesus when he sees the Pharisees attacking him, hating him. Could you imagine that God was told he had a demon in him by these religious people who were supposed to be worshipping him? <sighs> you have a demon in you. And God's sitting there, hell no, <laughs> I made them. <laughs> but he, he's, he's in the flesh, so he's, he has to deal with it through emotions through feelings, but with godly parts working through his human parts. Re-aligning uh, his brains, his human brain, measuring his speech, allowing how the power could work through his hands and, and his body and what's growing in him as his God nature, the brightness was getting brighter by the day and by the week and by the month because he was aware and he knew that ultimately that glory that invisible God must be made visible by the glory transfiguration. But more importantly, what people in everyday life would hear him say about answers to the Pharisees, to everyday people, healing a woman who'd been in bad relationships, giving her life at the water of well and saying, I am the water of life. What about when he heals the, uh, the, lep the lepers, where everybody casts them off of society, he walks amongst the poor and the broken. He says, I don't need to go to the healthy and the rich, the cunning and the greedy. I've been called not to the rich and those who think they're okay, I've come to reach the poor and the outcasts. A doctor, you know, the, the healed or the so-called healthy don't need a doctor, but the, so it is right for us to reach the poor, the fatherless, we heard last week, to reach out to those that are hurting. You are the healer, we are the healing. Of course, those that think they're okay, they need healing too. And those who, who uh, look down on others and despise them, well, he challenged them as well. You know, it's going to be very hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, Jesus said, because wealth has got them. He didn't say wealth is wrong. He says, don't, don't let your money have you. You can have money, but don't let money have you. 
All the wealth we get, we spend to, to further and advance our cause, to make you and help you to do it and to get better. So he's, so this revelation now comes to the point where he grows, he knows he has to die to carry away the wrong, to appease the justice of God by the blood so that the mistake wouldn't happen again. So heaven will be cleansed forever, you can't get in. He's not gonna have any more. You had it once, he said, it cost me to go into a human body to live for 33 years, suffer the most painful death, excruciating, I bled out for you, I was chucked in a grave and that's after all the hatred I got and thereby I raised myself from the dead as a new person to go into you. Now everything's on your shoulders. If you're gonna fail, it's not because God didn't love you or give you away, it's because you were determined to not believe. We got a lot of those. That's why we need the firstborns in the earth because the level that they fight at is far greater than ordinary Christians. Okay, can I read you another scripture? You get that? Is that all right? So when he was raised from the dead, he became a different composition. God now is in heaven, represented as both human and divine. People don't even understand that Christians don't know that after the resurrection, God had changed an actual nature composition. Because the human, he's a human God exalted or glorified the body. That's the promise for all of us. That's what I love about this. This is so beautiful. All right, I'm gonna move on because most of you know that. So he became basically, you know what Romans 8, 29 says, and it's about the predestined and called, and it talks about then uh, the image of his son that be predestined to be conformed, right? That's the conformed is the metamorphosis. It's actually a process that you're supposed to know in your mind that everything about you changes, not just your thinking inside and your faith, your body, your mind, your emotions, your uh, ability to communicate with what you're supposed to have control over. That's creation, that's nature. So straight away, you'll know your firstborn level is that creation will start responding to your presence. It knows you before you will know you. Animals will sense that you're different, right? So the very basics of creation do. Most of the people walk around because they are victims of weather, victims of volcanoes, earthquakes, victims of flooding and fire and hurricanes and tornadoes, they're victims of what they call climate change. I'm a victim of none of those, but I'm in control of all of them. Don't look at me like that. And if people criticize me, good on them because that's where they are. They should, they should be criticizers if you're weak and sinful and out of touch, right? <laughs> so getting back to this, he's, he's talking about now that glory is the goal so that you make God manifest in the earth. So this is the prototype. That word uh, firstborn is actually prototokos in the, in the Greek. It's prototokos, which basically means the pattern. It's the original. But everything outside of that, God's thing is that he might be a firstborn among many brothers. So it's brothers. The sonship thing and the brother thing. When you're talking about sons and children of God, you're talking about family. 
You can talk about firstborn sons, they are a level above the Christian community and children of God and the sons by just virtue that you were born of God. There can be Christians and churches that don't know much more than that. Oh, I think I gave my heart to Jesus. Well, they're in the family of God, actually, if they did. And they are counted as children or sons of God. But they don't even know what a son is. You see what I mean? So, but, but firstborn sons are a level up from those ones that have sonship by, by just way of coming into the family of God. Can you get that? I'll show you in a moment. There's a difference. There's two classes, definitely. I use the word class, and I'll tell you why. Right? So he's prototokos means prototype. That's what it means. He's the image. It's not the begotten son. It's the son that was raised from the grave who had the image of the complete God in him. In other words, this, this one was not the other one. The only begotten son was hidden in God in spirit only. The image of the firstborn son was a human that walked as God on the earth. You got me? I'm going to get to say this again so you understand. It's a teaching thing. The only begotten son was nobody could be it. He alone. God wanted to change that because he wanted many. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 taught you this as well. He wanted many to bring many sons to glory. See, it's all over the place, this glory. That is, he wanted him to shine through them. That's God to be seen through. That's the ultimate goal. If I see you all the time, it's not good, right? I need to start seeing him through you. You need to start seeing him through me. When you say, what does he look like and seeing, that's, that's your elementary food you've been living on. It comes in ways where you just look at somebody and know, right? You can't fake it, I'm afraid. I can tell by a face now and look at them and I know they're having a struggle. I meet, a, I meet people all the time and I said, oh, you're having struggles with bills. Oh, you're having struggles in your marriage. You're not correct. You're a liar. I can pick that up pretty quick now. It's frightening. But I never use it as a weapon to expose them. I always try and get in there to lead them out so that they go away thinking, Mandy, help me. That's what are we looking about, the God thing coming through, right? People know that when you're in your presence that there's something about you. It changes every part of you. Please hear me. The fastest way to get a great countenance is this. The fastest way to keep yourself alive from the diseases is this. The fastest way to lose weight is this. The fastest way to shine and be healthy all over is firstborns. And I'll show you why. This, man, I shouldn't be giving this away for free. <laughs> okay? Now, he's the prototype. So he's the mass reproduction of many of these. That's all he wants. His firstborns. Those are firstborns. He might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, here's the second frightening thing about this. So I want you to go, just, just hold me on this. Someone yell out to me, please. Hannah or Jamie, I want to go to the might be. I brought this up in the conference. Now, I want you to give me Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, 23. You should know all these. Look at this. No, I want you, yeah, that's the one. You've come to Mount Zion. The, the verses before talks about what you haven't come to. Okay, we won't go there. I just want to see, and then what follows what you haven't come to, he says, this is what you've come to. 
you've got to understand that now you're walking in a new level. This is what you come to, Mount Zion, not to the old cursed mountain, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to God be judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Look at this. Now, I want to just go back to it again, to, to where I was. No, there. Go back to the beginning. Yeah. You've come to the general assembly in the church of the firstborn. That's two groups there. It's not the one and same. It's two different ones. And I'll show you in a moment. The general assembly. The word general assembly is just the everyday common gathering, mass gathering or meeting of people. That's what that one is. That's the masses of the usual. <laughs> I got your attention now. This is talking about the masses of Christians and churches all over the globe. They're just general assemblies. They are there. They make it. This is not about not making heaven or not. This is about on this side of heaven, the type of life, the, the level of living you could actually obtain. I'm not going to go there and say, this is what you missed out on, Brian. No way. I'll try and milk everything out of this word, and I want to be it if it's there, and this is there. This is the General Assembly. Do you have this? This is basically Christians all over the world, the General Assembly. And plus, there's this other group called the Church of the Firstborn. Ooh, that gave you goosebumps. It gave me goosebumps. The church, and they are registered in heaven. Your name, if you're a firstborn, it's not talking about the other ones. I'm talking, there's book, there's the book of life. I'm talking about Revelation now. The book of life and these books. So these books are there to record, not that you're in the book of life. You're either there or you're going to hell. I see that. So the book of life is you better get Jesus in your life then your name is written in heaven. So when you die, you're gonna be known and you'll be led into the right place. Believe me, when you go to the afterlife, you don't wanna be groping in the dark, saying, oh, what's gonna to happen to me? You're in the book of life, you're off to paradise. And that's the place of God. That's again, paradise, Paul went there. It's beautiful. It's beyond, you'll blow your, our pea brain little minds away. It's just like, wow, you're at everything you just don't know because you're in, you can get all of the hot spots of the world and times them by a million and it still won't be equal to paradise. You can take the best beaches, the best locations, the best holiday, the best mountains. That's only, this is a fallen representation of the paradise of God in there. That's what it is. It's just a reflection. Everything in the material world is only a mirror of what's in the spirit world. But this is blighted by sin. So when we go to the mountains, we go, we go to a beach with white sand. We go to some resort in Holland, we go, oh, Paris and London. But you come back home, we're back in Rotorua, Fakatani, Wellington, Whangarei, Hamilton, Auckland. I was going to put that in there, I wasn't going to. <laughs> But you, you see, you get the understanding? So there's two classes or groups. There's the general Christian assemblies of congregations, Christians that live and die. But there's this church of the firstborn. And when you 
register as a firstborn, your name goes straight into the walls of heaven and your name is in heaven. You speak, your name speaks in heaven. It appears apparently on a great wall of the church of the firstborn. Cain Warren, David Kahu, Kaiwi, Brian, put your name there, Sally, Shelly. And it's there and it speaks. And archangels see it, seraphim see it, cherubim see it, God sees it, Holy Ghost sees it. All of heaven sees the names on the wall of fame of the firstborn. So that means your name is tagged and you come in for special favoritism. Are you looking at me saying, is this true? I'm going to show you scriptures, you bad people. I'll give you the scriptures after because I want you to learn that revelation is important so you're hearing revelation of the written word that you've missed all these years. But before you say this is not of God's word, I want to catch you out because it's here and I'll show you. So you're registered, your name speaks. The innumerable angels and Michael, the warlord of heaven, Revelation calls him because he has a huge company of trillions of angels who do the beckoning of firstborns. So there is extra increased angelic activity around first. This is going to blow all your tired Christianity away. It's going to check to see if you're starting to backslide on God. It's going to tell you and show you your priorities have been wrong. You didn't really want to come today. So this is what it says now, now, okay, he says, these two groups. I want to, okay, he's giving you all the books. I gave all these scriptures to, uh, to use. Can I move on? Anyone? I just want to follow, I want to follow what I've put down here. So we were talking about now Hebrews 12, 23, the firstborns. Now these firstborns, walking on the earth, are critical to validating the credibility of Jesus Christ. Now this shook me, and I had to check this time and again and think, hold on a moment, is this right? And I kept looking and I kept going and my gut instinct told me yes, but I wanted scriptures and these are the two. It's first of all in Romans 8, 29, where I, um, it was enough, not enough time for me at the conference and you heard me say it that the statement that he might be is a doubting statement. God is usually clear about something. He says that he is. That he is the firstborn son of didn't. It says that he might be. So, gee, God's a master. He, and, and John, we'll put John 17, verse 20 to 21, where he talks about I and you, me and them, the Father and me, and the Father and them, and, and all of us. He's talking about now three people, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and a fourth per- person is the firstborns, all being one. Now, I know people are going to push against us and say, hold on, you're leaving us Christians, and I never left your Christians out. You're involved in it. You're there, the General Assembly. This is an elevated, special, elite group of people. Ooh, I use those terms on, on purpose, because I'll show you in a moment. So now you've got this going on where you're talking about these people who 
Father, in me and you, and that, that the world may believe that you sent me. So the believing is not basically on the basis that God knows who he is and what he did. He knows to get validation and the accuracy of the truth of what he did, we have to affirm that and confirm it. Yeah. So Jesus Christ's credibility as coming into this world as a human God is not validated on what he says, it's validated on what we do. So he's wanting us to be included in the oneness of the Godhead, oh man, so that we now validate the truth that he was the one that was sent from God. Do you, do you see it? I can't get it much plainer. So when you go back to verse 29, these two are linked, it's, 20, it's linked with there, with that scripture there where he says that they might believe that you sent me. They don't believe that God sent them until they see us walking the same way. They got no way out of it. They can't, they can't deny it. Do you see this? So if God, if you just say God came and Jesus came as the, as they, people say, I don't believe that. Rubbish. It's going to say another word. I don't believe you're God. They don't believe you're God because we're a very sick example outside being firstborns. Only firstborns walking the earth are actually validating and, and making credible the truth that Jesus did actually come as a human because look at all these ones. Look at all of them. We can't deny all these people in Destiny Church movement. They're not just a, a radical Christian group. They're actually firstborns. They are actually walking like Jesus did. They're doing like Jesus did. Talking like Jesus did. They're families. We got partial, partial parts of it, but the Christianity you had before is old now. It doesn't mean to say it was wrong. It's just outdated. So God has upgraded us. He is upsized so you know the revelation. The revelation didn't come before because we weren't ready before. But many of us are ready for this. Do you see that? Do you see that he might be the firstborn? I've always been troubled by that, but I would have never even thought of impinging on God's credibility and having to validate him. I thought he validates us. But he's saying, no, you validate me. So if you look bad, I'm gonna look bad. If you're not talking, I'm not talking. If you're not healing, I'm not healing. If you're not there, I'm not there. Do you get it? Oh my gosh. But someone needs to just shout right now and clap your hands. Wow. I, so I'm actually carrying the reputation of God saying all He is by us actually doing. So I thought now the firstborns are the walking gods in the earth, really, we, we are. Now, just to take this a bit further, can I, can I just please um, move to, can you take me to Romans chapter eight? I'm just about there and I'll, I've got some, Monday night I'll give the rest, eh? I wanna, um, I wanna go somewhere, I wanna go somewhere. I want to go to this. This is what I picked up. For, I want you to go to verse 28. Gee. I love this, don't you? Yeah. Romans 8:28. For we know that all things work together for good. Now all the Christians have been using this for a long time. And it hasn't worked for them. 
<laughs> the odd ones got through, but it wasn't this. It's just that things worked out. It was just a normal process of life. All things don't work together for all Christians. It works for good for those who love God. Well, they're saying, that's me. But this is the next part. To those. Those. To those. It's not necessary to all. It's to those, not them. Who are, just in case you had doubts, the called. Not called. If God was including the general assembly, he would have seen those who have been called. Now you say, when we say, I've been called by God, that's right, that's no problems with that. But when you add the word the, it's, it's selective. It's the called. This is a certain group of people. You know who they are. He's referring to the firstborns. This whole Romans 8 is a, an exalted revelation by the apostle to the transformation of humans into glorified, exalted Christ. That's what it is. He's, Romans 8 hits a height. He's going there. He validates them from verse 14. I think he validates about, the, you know, you're all children of God. He talks about it. He talks about fatherhood. He gets that right. He says, listen, you're all children of God. You're all sons of God. Then he hits Romans 18. But he says, now, the suffering you go through does not equal or measure up to the glory that's in you. He's talking about something specific now. And the next verse starts to reveal it. He says this that the earnest expectation of the creation. So creation has a part to these two pains that they have, the creation. The pain of the weight of the bondage of the sin that man's put on it. So it's hurting right now. Weather patterns, floods, fires, volcanoes, more big earthquakes are coming. More haphazard volcanoes and strange weather patterns. Urine, firstborns are in charge of that. Firstborns walking the earth can change things like no other person or other being or other creature can. Firstborns. Because creation saying it has an expectation of waiting for the manifestation of a certain type of human species. It's the one they knew way back in the garden of paradise who was originally sinless, who walked like God. Now the whole uh, redemption of that is the firstborns that come after the created firstborn image in 29 who are now us, those who are walking in the image. The icon, Greek, means the exact pattern, the copy of the resurrected Christ. So you're born in the womb of resurrection. And that's why Romans 8, see Romans 8, you need to read 8 over, over, over again. Because verse 11 says, if the same spirit that was, in, that was in Jesus Christ, that raised him from the dead is in you, what does it say? It will give life to your mortal your mortal body. So now he's saying that those firstborns actually are the immortals. Meaning they can touch immortality in their mortality. Because it's impossible for you to not have the new image son or firstborn sonship without having resurrection in it. Because see, the new firstborn pattern is a resurrection one. So you immediately have a faith change and know, oh, I see that. 
He's a resurrected firstborn. The image of him is a resurrected Christ. In other words, immortality now comes into my mortality and I'm an immortal because it's in my soul and my spirit which are immortal. They can never die. So immortality is added to your body as well. Because <laughs> the pain of the apostle was, I want to get out of my broken body. My body hurts me, it's perishing. But then God says, you have the resurrection in you now and mortal, your mortal body can have immortality, a touch of it, while you're walking in a frail, broken world. Because the immortals are important when they're satanic powers. So high level satanic spirits know the immortals, which are the firstborns. They have huge power. <sighs> well, let's read on because you go back to verse 28. Oh God, for those who are the called, are called according to this purpose. Go on a bit. Next verse after that. For he, whom he foreknew, he knew you before. When you accepted him, he knew you were going to do it. So it's impossible for him no, not to. When you didn't accept it, he knew you wouldn't. So today, how do I get into this bishop, apostle, Brian? Doesn't matter, call me a firstborn, an immortal. How do I get into this? Simple. As I read on, you're gonna get it, okay? He also predestined. The path is mapped out to be conformed. I've talked about that. The conforming is it's it's a metamorphosis. So as you know this now, this knowledge is now working in you to get to, get there. So don't go outside and say that's too much for me. I don't understand that. Just say I got it. You're in. I got it. Go home and read and read and read. As after I finish, conform to the image. God hates idolatry. The worst thing that God hates is idols. That's why Galatians chapter three, I mean, I've got it in there, who says, now you understand this, that you're neither Greek, what? Or Jew. Some places it says, or barbarian. So it's not about race any longer. It's not about race any longer. And he says, neither slave or free. So it's not about status in life, whether you're rich, poor, or you've got this or got that. So it's not about whether you're, you're brown, you're white, you're yellow or whatever. Doesn't matter about your race or your culture. He's saying something here. And the third one is this, neither male or female. He destroys all of these things that causes division. Division in the church, division in life. He takes them all out and says, you've got to know that firstborns are not interested in culture, customs, or clans. Man, that's good. He's saying, you don't tie yourself, because James 4.4 says, do not be a friend with the world and its ways and customs, or you're going to be my enemy. You will end up actually fighting God if you try and fulfill any of those weak elements that he says firstborns don't have a problem with them. Well, I'm preaching now. So the first one he says, neither Jew or Greek. He includes his own class of people, Jews. And the Greeks, is anybody else outside? Barbarians, any other wild race you are. He says, forget the race that you come from. Forget your customs, your culture, and your ways. 
You now are a firstborn, and firstborns have a new culture. They're, they are in themselves Christ. And he says after this, don't worry about status. It's not about bishops, pastors. It's not about poor or rich. It's not about what class you are, whether you've got much or little. Anybody qualifies if you see that these don't matter any longer and you're neither a woman, female or male. That's why the devil has tried to, to pervert genders. Perversion of sexual identity. He's tried to pervert all of that stuff. And that's perversion because he doesn't want you to hear this message. They don't want firstborns to be born into the earth. Because the other pain of creation, besides the weight of sin, is the pain or the birth pangs. So creation at the same time is heavy under the burden. It wants deliverance, but it can only get it from firstborns when they uh, turn up as the sons and the glory is obviously seen in them. They will deliver that from the bottom. But at the same time, the earth is giving birth to them. Because you'll know if you are a firstborn or you're going to be one when you have the first fruits of the Spirit. That's in Romans 8, uh, 20 something. So those of us who are the first fruits of the Spirit, is it there? Oh yeah, I'm right. So the first fruits of the Spirit are the firstborn. That's talking about the first fruits of these that will appear. So these ones will actually fulfill the groaning and the pain, labor. It's called labor. It's not the labor government, although they're in pain. <laughs> but they won't like this either. Nobody's going to like this in the world. Who's, who's, so if you're hooked up with your gender, you're hooked up with the sexuality thing, you're hooked up with males being better than females and females being males, no, God says there's no gender. He's saying that, that genderlessness doesn't mean that what you are now, it just means you're a higher order of a firstborn is higher. So you're not in the argument. It doesn't matter. You don't have an argument. But the gender confusion is the satanic spirits um, pumping it up more and more because he knew this was coming. So it's really wicked. They're getting it into schools to pervert children so that they don't know and get confused about the gender so they won't get near the firstborn status. So satanic devils of a higher level knew I'd preach this. And he knew it was coming to the body of Christ. So they'll throw all sorts of rubbish at you right now. That's only just one of them. He will give you a culture fight. You will fight with your culture. You'll fight with your Europeanness, your whiteness. You'll fight with your, with your Maori. You'll fight with your Tongan. You'll fight with your Pacific Island. You will fight with your, your British. You'll fight with your Italian. You'll fight with all of these types of customs and all of these cultures. If you get wedged into them, you cannot be a firstborn. You can be a Christian and be a child of God can't be a firstborn because if that's stronger than this you need to stay where you are and you'll go to heaven but you won't make this level so where, where you at my people where you at where you at where you at this answers it very clearly now let me get on with this so go back to um, go back to the Romans, <clears throat> friend of the world, eh? You're an enemy of God. You'll find yourself fighting God, not me. Don't fight me, please. Hang on. You're still comfortable. Can you go have another five minutes? I'll finish tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow night, I'll finish it. For whom he foreknew, predestined, conformed to the image. 
That's what I'm talking about now. That image. There is given to you a clear copy of what you are, who you are, and how you should look. Damned if you go to the world to get their looks and sympathise with a world that killed my, my big brother and murdered him, murdered millions of Christians at stakes and burnt with oil for you to have an affair with the world, with money, with jobs, with all this other stuff you put in front of you being what you should be. It's quiet. That's how it should be too for that last little bit. Hey, don't look at me like that. If you, if you want to be this or remain an up and down cruising Christian, just get in and go ahead. I love you. Keep coming. Keep, I'm a friend. I'm just laying out the option that's there by revelation. Look at this. It might be the firstborn among many brothers. Give me the next verse. Who you predestined, these he also called. So he knew, he knew what you would do. You thought you were doing it. You had to do the choice, but he knew your choice, right? He also called. So you've been selected. This is not the call to be this, to go and be a missionary. A call to do um, you know, hospital visits and called to be a musician, called to be a pastor. He ain't talking about that. That's not that call. Whom he called, this is the call of a different nature. These he also justified. These he justified he gave them a, an official uh, validation or a permit to be this. They are validated with a special permission to be this level of Christian. In whom he justified, these he also glorified. He's glorifying these. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? No, it's not Christians. It's the firstborns. Who did not spare his own son, but he delivered him up for all of us, that he shall not with him also freely give us all things. Isn't that, just before you go back, there's another scripture after that one, you didn't quite follow it through. Go back to verse 28, uh, 27, uh, please. Oh, no, stay there. Blew my cover. Stay there. I. No, no, it's, go back one, 31. That one. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That, hold on, that's not general Christians. He's talking still about going back through the firstborns from verse 29. So a verse 28 led to a verse 29, a verse 29 led to a verse 30, and a verse 30 led to a verse 31. Really, we're 31 ers. Firstborns are 31 ers. That means that they are untouchable, they are invincible, and they are immortals. If what shall we say to all of these things? He's saying to this level of firstborn son, what would you say about this? What can you say? It says, if he is for us, who can be against you? That's invincibility. That is untouchable. And the immortals means that they are moving 
in a realm of not being hampered by impossibilities, all the high level of devils. So, so these firstborns fight at a higher level of warfare than Christian warfare. All right? So who can be against us? Now, just the 31ers, that's awesome, that's great. Just go, just flick it to the 32. He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all of us. So how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? In other words, there's nothing I cannot have as a firstborn. The privileges of heirship is this, that singular, I'm an heir of God, right? But I'm a joint heir with Jesus. Everything that Christ has, I can have too. Because we're joint heirs. That's in Romans 2. Just, you, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta understand what I'm saying. I know you won't, but I'm just gonna give it to you and then I'm gonna finish because I think you're in overload now. We had enough, right? But here's, 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 my, here's the big one, this one. Who shall bring a charge? Who's gonna criticize? Who's gonna say this is not real against God's elect? Isn't that beautiful? He calls, it's, I mean, what does he say? He's calls, it's God is, God is elect. This is his elect. There's the official stamp of God for these extraordinary beings. The official stamp of God. It's like, boom, that's a special agent. Boom, that name, not that name, not that, that name is, yes, that name is one, not that one, not that one. They're in. It's just that Christians going to heaven later on. But these firstborns are going to be used in these last days. These firstborns will shake the globe. These firstborns will change the nature of the things on this planet in itself. God's elect. Do you know what elect, God's elect means? I had to, you say, we haven't been told this. This all the time I've been talking about, he's elected a super group of people out from the rest. All those scriptures I talked to you from verse 28 talk about these ones, not those. It's the called. So you have the call on you to be in the part of the firstborns. You've got to actually understand this, otherwise you won't move into it. You'll just keep being a Christian. Hey, look, I understand this is over the head of a lot. You'll probably go out like, man, I didn't come to church for this. <laughs> I knew that this morning, but um, I can't let the body of Christ keep going like this. It is, it is breaking my heart to see the church globally fail and fail hugely. And you know why? They're living a perverted Christianity. They've turned it into something that's weak, hollow, powerless. This is why God's elect. It is God who gives them the justification. That means the official stamp, they're validated and they're warranted by God for or to be the untouchables, the invincibles and the immortals in this earth. Yeah. Elect means, it's simple in the Greek, elect means that you've actually been chosen out. That's all this predestined for new. That's what Paul's, he's rolling on a revelation. He's not just throwing scriptures for you to go to a smorgasbord as an untidy Christian and say, all things are going for my good. Right? And you go along a bit more as a, 
as a lying Christian and say, you know, if God is for me, I'm sorry to blow your world apart, but it's not a smorgasbord for Christians to grab or for any other person to quote to somebody else and you have no authority quoting it because it doesn't work for them. You, you read this now and you'll see that this is talking about the firstborns. <laughs> you okay? If I was you, I'd go out and say to myself, I'm one of those. Honey, we're changing. We're going to be firstborns from now. She might say, oh no, don't. It's going to change our world. That's right. Or he might, you might say to him, we're going to be firstborns. Honey, he might say, I don't know. I like my life now. It's okay. I'm just putting it out there. I'm still your friend. I still love you. Still come to church. It's okay. I'm not going to be pushing this. I'm going to live it. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It means this, that he's elected you, selected you because you chose it. So if you haven't to this point and you go out the door today and say, God, I, I am one of those. The likelihood that you're here is that's why, because you want more than the usual that you see that are not anywhere else in churches. You want more. This is it. And elect means the favourites. That's what it said in the, in the Greek. These are the favourites of God. I've always felt that I was a favourite son. <laughs> I was right. Don't look at me. It's for you to say too. So when you're a favourite, you know you're spoiled. You can have anything from you want from the father when you're a spoiled little brat. Dad, I want to run this. What do you want to run? I want to run this half of the world. Well, sure, son, it's yours. I want New Zealand. Sure, son. I was waiting for you to ask me. I want New Zealand. I want to take it. I want to bring it back to you. Good. Now you're talking. Don't worry about the high level uh, demonic powers and satanic spirits and heavenly realms who live there, who've controlled the earth for years through all sorts of political institutions, social institutions, through workplaces and your house. He said, your level now is not only matching their level, you're greater. Firstborns walked also with the army of heaven. Michael the archangel has been waiting for this with his myriads of angels to attack satanic forces. They'll fight for you. They'll fight for the firstborns. The firstborns just need to do Jesus in the earth. Okay, how's that? Let's stand to our feet. God bless you all. Thank you for letting me do this. Thank you online for all those. And Monday night we'll get into, we'll go deeper again and we'll bring some practicality, but also some understanding again. Father, we thank you, Lord, today. Oh my God, I have not understood before how this works now because I'm making the commitment and I want to do this today and I'm going to help some people want to join in now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are now activating the spirit of the firstborns who are in the image after our firstborn from the dead and the firstborn who is alive forevermore, Jesus Christ. He's the glory. Really, Jesus Christ is the glory. And that glory is magnified through us as we begin to be Him. Father, we know now we're going to validate your credibility as Jesus coming into the world because we are now being set free to do it. We knew it, but now we know more. Knowledge is power. My people perish because of a lack of revelation. So I thank you, Father, for this 
great group and those online. Those who don't know Christ, you need to jump in right now, quickly. It's a thing to do. If you've been half-hearted, then you've just jumped back into the fire again. If your wife or your husband are having difficulty, talk about it. But get to the higher place. Don't stay where you are. And don't worry about all of that stuff around you. More will come to you as you go higher in Him. And as well, God will give you the treasures of Egypt. He will give us freely anything you want. You're one of the elect. I'm one of the elect. I know it could be difficult for you, but it's taken me all this time, 40 years, so I, can, I have some mercy and grace on a Christian that's only about five years old or six or seven, that this could be like, oh man, I just, I just can't get over the humps and bumps of life. Yeah, you can. We're together in this. I'll be with you walking with us. The leaders will be walking with you. Destiny churches are walking into firstborn churches. My name and your name is going to be on the registration and it's going to speak in heaven. Amen. Feel it. Don't think it. Feel it deep in your gut. Go beyond your brain. Walk like it, talk like it, be it. Kind, compassionate, healing, bringing hope, bringing love, bringing life, bringing liberty. Wherever you go, it should almost speak through your presence before your words arrive. That's what I love about everywhere I go. Jesus polarized communities. Demons screamed at him and said, oh, we know who you are. And other people came, gathered to him and received from him. So you'll get different responses as you grow in that. But it's worth it. Watch out who you link up with. Watch out who you hook up with. Watch who you've got an association with you. Young ones, a new generation coming through, you've got a great start of the firstborns. So you don't need to marry um, lastborns. <laughs> don't marry baggage. Don't marry a person that's gonna be a, a lead sinker. You wanna move fast? So the church with these young youth from the conference, you've got the greatest start ever. You've got to start where we all arrived in our older age. As Sonny was trying to, Sonny was talking about his old life, his, his age, and he's old, he's part of the old group. And now these young ones coming through, <laughs> that, that, that's right. And that's why I wanted Sam to stand, but I didn't give him the message. He came up with that. And that was beautiful because there's a generation that have got this. These the young ones are coming into being firstborns. What a beautiful thing. I'm glad now about not having to go through all the processes of the old church. Can you believe it? Tambourines and running around with ladies dancing and nobody tithed or gave offerings and nobody gave first fruits and there's no meat in the church then. <laughs> they stayed away from the church. All right, God bless you all. Go and have lunch and see you when I see you. Where you go, Church of the Firstborn. Yeah.